Hey, sweet friend, welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Danika, and she is a certified yoga teacher, a life coach, a retreat leader, and the founder of the Stand Unshaken Collective and Endless Sunday Retreats. So we connected on Instagram, and she has this incredible community all around yoga and faith, and it is such an incredible space. And in today's episode, she shares so much about her journey with yoga, how yoga has really created a space of growth and wellness and healing in her life. And we also talk a lot about body confidence and body image. So I I so enjoyed this conversation with her. She had so, so much wisdom to share, and I just know that this is going to pour into you. So I hope you enjoy. Let's get to it. Hey, sweet 20-something. Welcome to the Free and Well podcast. Do you want to feel more confident and stop second-guessing and doubting yourself? Do you wake up feeling motivated and excited only to get caught up in comparison and find yourself distracted and wasting time on social media? Hey, friend. I'm Devani. I'm a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. I'm a therapist, life coach, and a dog mom. And I remember being right where you are, doubting myself, comparing myself, and just wanting to feel content and confident in who I was and in my worth. I'm on a mission to share with you powerful psychology-based tools and simple steps so you can start growing your self-confidence, your self-compassion, and your self-worth while also creating consistent, positive, healthy routines. It's time for you to stop second-guessing and comparing yourself, my friend. Freedom and confidence are calling. And even though I'm a therapist, this show is for educational purposes only. Information from this show is not a substitute for mental health or medical treatment. It is your time. Let's dig in and take some real, authentic, perfectly imperfect action together. Let's go. friends, we have Danika here from Stand Unshaken, and I'm so, so excited for this conversation. She has so much to share, so much wisdom. Thank you so much for spending your Friday with me, Danika. Of course. Thank you for having me. So let's let our listeners get to know you a little bit. So I have a couple of icebreaker questions. So the first one, what is your go-to coffee or tea beverage? Oh my gosh, easy. Matcha is my favorite, specifically with oat milk and honey. Fun fact, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. I just like hate the taste of it. Like cannot do it. So I've tried sips here and there. I worked at coffee shops for like seven years. So matcha, any form of tea is definitely my go-to. Cannot do coffee. Oh my gosh. I love that. And actually, right. As I asked you, I was picturing, I have like flashes of stories that you've posted yes. <laughs> that I literally have commented on of like matcha drinks that you yep. enjoy. And I love Constant. that so much. Yep. So good. And then tell me, where is your favorite place to be anywhere in the world? Um, And in like a very general sense, definitely just anywhere where I'm outside with my husband and with our dog, we both love the outdoors to be a little more specific. I would probably say in Utah mountain biking, not with the dog that time, but that's like our annual trip that we always do is going out to Moab and just mountain biking. I love the heat. So anywhere that's like really hot and I get to be outside is definitely my favorite place to be. Amazing. Amazing. I love that so much. Okay. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about a couple of different, couple of different things that Danica and I both share in passion for, and Danica has so much experience and wisdom to share in these things. So tell me what is one of your favorite, like a nugget, a quote, a verse, um, related to some of the things that we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love quotes. I love words. I love like poetry and all that. But one quote that I always go back to is by Nelson Mandela And he said, may your choices reflect your hopes and not your fears. And that's something that I just really use as kind of like a gut check on like a broad scale as far as like bigger life decisions, but also just in kind of the minute of like the decisions we make on a daily basis. And through the women that I coach and the work that I do in my own life, I know that so many of our choices can be guided by fear. And so that just reminder of like, where is this decision coming from? Like, is it coming from hope, from faith, from trust, you know, from these things that we want or 
is that fear or lies speaking into the decision. So very simple quote, but one that I find really powerful. So powerful. And I love how you said that you use that to kind of check yourself sometimes, right? Like, okay, what's, what's driving this choice? What's making me want to do this? Is it fear? Is it hope? Is it faith? So even small things with like, okay, I'm feeling like resistance around wanting to go hang out with this group of people. Like, is that a fear-based mentality? Is that like, no, like actually you're tired, give yourself permission to rest, but being able to check in with like, where's that thought coming from? I think gives me more confidence in the decisions that I make and helps me like course correct when I need to. So, so powerful. So one of the things that I really admire about Tanika is her yoga practice and how much she shares the power of yoga with her community online. So share with us a little bit about like your love for yoga, why you feel like it's so valuable. Cause it's obviously become a really huge part of your life. So tell me like why that feels so important for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up as like a gymnast and a dancer. And so I've always loved movement. My mom was a fitness instructor. And so I was like very in that world and had never done yoga growing up. Um, not really for any reason in particular, just like had this perception that, oh, it's just like really slow and boring. And, you know, I like stuff that's more high energy and all these different things. And so I think I just wasn't really ever drawn to it, but then, um, one summer, which it's crazy. This was like seven years ago now, I guess, which just feels like a lifetime. Um, I started just doing yoga really casually in the summer with a friend of mine. We were working together at a summer camp and we would go running in the morning and then we would stretch. And she was kind of familiar with yoga. So she would like talk me through some of the flows and I just really enjoyed it and was like, oh, this is actually fun. This kind of feels like dancing and stretching all these things I had done growing up. Um, So after that summer, My husband and I got married and we went to South America for six months and I wanted to stay active, but the areas we were in, I couldn't really run and we didn't have like any equipment with us. So I sort of last minute brought a yoga mat with me on that trip and then ended up just doing yoga like all day, every day, like loved it so much. I was on my mat constantly doing things like learning the poses and trying to do handstands and all sort of the fun, like very focused on the physical side of it. And then somewhere along the way, just kind of started like listening to worship music while I would do it, journaling before, after my practice, and really started to just become like more familiar with the spiritual or emotional aspects that yoga um, offered. So started doing that, came back home, was really loving my practice and was like, I want to do more of this. And the thing too, like I practice from a Christian perspective. So I use like scripture and worship and prayer throughout my practice. And I wasn't really seeing like any resources out there about how to do that, but it was just totally changing my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with my body. I was having so much fun with the posture. So I was like, more people need to be able to do this, like specifically Christians who have that barrier around like, oh, Christians can't do yoga. It's like, no, they can. It's just, you change a couple of things. It's a little different. And so I ended up creating a program that was like a 31 day program where there was a yoga video and a devotional for each day just like popped it up on a website I made and started selling it and people started responding to it. And so that was kind of when I really was like, oh, this could be something more than just a practice for myself. So I started teaching locally, um, started running retreats. And then now, you know, we're like, what, four or five years after I started my business. And we have an online community of over 250 women that are practicing Christian yoga. And we have meditations and devotionals in there we get to do live classes. So yeah, it went from like, oh, this random thing I do to my whole job and presence and everything like that. And I love it. And I love that it yoga, I think opens the doors to a lot of other spiritual disciplines that have sort of been neglected, like meditation, and just the stillness and silence. And so I really view it as like an entry into a different way of life and not just a workout. Yeah. So, so powerful. And I love how it was just something that like, oh, this seems accessible, right? Like, oh, I can do this and practice this. And then it turned into so much more. Definitely. So powerful. Tell me like, what do you feel like are some of whether it's, um, maybe like mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, like what are some of the ways that you feel like yoga has really created that space for growth or some of those shifts that you felt? Yeah, absolutely. So I struggled a lot, like in my late teens, into my early twenties, like the first, like when I was like 20, 21, um, just with body image, I know I'm very much not alone in that, but I really struggled a lot with my relationship with exercise and with eating and just everything was very like rules based and all about trying to get my body to look a certain way. 
And so it was kind of in that time that I started practicing yoga. And I realized that the reason I was doing yoga was so different from the reasons that I had exercised in the past, which was much more like image driven or like, you have to do this thing. And for yoga, it was just fun. Like it was like, oh yeah, it's also good for my body. But for me, I just was like, it brought joy into my life. It started to really bring peace into my life. Like I just couldn't wait to get on my mat. And even though I liked working out before, it was just for a different reason than it was when I did yoga. And so that was a place where I really started to learn to approach movement and my body, like as something to celebrate and to enjoy rather than something to change. Um, and through that time, just totally developed a different relationship with my body than I had had before, where I would like be so excited if I could do a different posture and it had nothing to do with if I had lost weight or gained weight or lost strength or gained strength, like it was just about like, oh, my body can do this new thing because I've taken the time to care for it and to work with it, to learn how to do this. So that was definitely the entry point. And the, I think the thing that really made me realize like, oh, this is something special. This is a way for women to move their bodies. That's so different from what a lot of our culture tells us. Um, so that was the physical aspect of it. And then, like I said, I originally was not drawn to yoga. I'm like, a very high energy person. Like I'm super introverted, but I like to do a lot of stuff. Like I love to be outdoors and be really active. And I just like yoga is boring. Yoga slow, blah, blah, blah. And one yoga is not, there are ways to do yoga that are very slow, but also that was my own issues getting in the way and like my own resistance to embracing stillness and slowness. Um, and so as I started to really learn more about yoga and do different styles, I began to enjoy the slow movement, the quiet, the stillness, the meditation of it as well. And that really helped me, which I know this is your jam, really helped me cultivate also um, like a consistent routine of journaling. And that has been so transformational for me too. And I don't think that I would have been in the place to get a lot out of journaling if I hadn't already practiced that art of like slowing down and creating space that I did through yoga. So that's when I say like, it just opens you up to all these other things. Like I just feel like I can be more present in conversations, in my prayer, in my work, because I've learned like, Hey, when it's time to slow down and be still and be focused, I can do that instead of feeling like I'm a million miles an hour all over the place all the time. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. There's like so many nuggets in there that we could, <laughs> that we could just kind of like, you know, dive into deeper, but it's, I think a couple of things that are really standing out to me is this idea of, you said that a lot of your movement practices and exercise before yoga was really driven by the result. Mm -hmm. Right. And I so resonate with that. Like when I was going to the gym super regularly, it's so easy. I mean, there's mirrors everywhere yeah. and, you know, and then of course there's all of these people around you and it's so easy to get pulled into, right. Mm -hmm. Like wanting, wanting to look a certain way, or like I'm going to the gym this many times a week for this specific result. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you said about like yoga really helped it helped you shift into the space of celebrating your body and like mm -hmm. celebrating what it could do. Right. And like yeah. its capabilities. And I think that's just so powerful to think about. And this is something that I've touched on in other episodes before is just the idea of like being willing to find movement that feels nourishing mm -hmm. and not necessarily forcing yourself to, I feel like there's just this idea that like, oh yeah, you just go to the gym. Like you have to go to the gym. That has to be your thing. Mm -hmm. Cause that's whatever, right. In air quotes, that's what everyone does, yeah. but it's like, there's so many different ways to live a healthy lifestyle than yeah, needing to needing to do that. Totally. And what I also realized for myself too, I had some other health issues that I was dealing with during that time and realized that the like two hour long hit workouts that I've been doing that I was like, look at me go. Like I'm so fit. We're actually just causing so much damage to my body because I was already in a weakened state with these other things that I had going on. And so it's like, if we don't take the time to one, understand what our preference is around exercise, but also like, what does our body actually need? Like I have a friend right now who is very active. She loves to lift. She loves to run, but she's struggling with some health issues. And she's been like, okay, you have to help me figure out this like low impact, slow workout thing. Cause I like it, my body can't do it right now, but I want to stay active. And so I think it really is about learning to have a conversation with your body, with your emotion, instead of just doing this thing that's like prescribed from someone else, which is go to the gym, do hit workouts, lift weights, you know, be X, Y, and Z. And then you'll look a certain way, just like flipping the script and being like, what feels good? What nourishes my body? What nourishes my soul? Like let's prioritize making time for that. 
Yeah. So, so good. And I think that's really, that's really pushing up against some of the standards around like, right. Societal standards of what women look like and Mm -hmm. what we feel our bodies need to look like. And so really, like you said, prioritizing what feels nourishing, what feels helpful, what's Mm going to help me feel really well in my body. Yeah, absolutely. It's a totally different reason for working out, you know, than I think a lot of us have. And of course, like I still want to like be strong. Of course, I'm still going to have these thoughts of like, oh, I wish my body looked like that. But it's just about being able to say like, that's not the role that exercise has to fill in my life. Like it can be something bigger. And sometimes I even check in with myself around like, why am I choosing to work out today? Like, like I said, with the quote, I love having those things that are like little gut checks of like, okay, why am I choosing to work out today? Like, is there this lingering thought of I ate too much yesterday, so I have to exercise? Like what's, what's the motivation that's bringing me here? Is it just a desire to care for my body in a way that's fun and feels good. Okay. If not, let me sort of have that conversation with myself so I can make sure I'm stepping into that place with a healthy mentality, because especially for me bringing in some years of kind of disordered thinking around those things, it's important that I'm checking in with it. And I think that's how everybody should be approaching their exercise. Like, even if you're in a healthy mental space, just be like, okay, why am I doing this today? Like, does it still align with the things that I value that I feel are important? Am I making this decision from a place that I feel good about right now? hundred percent. Yeah. And something that I found too, I recently started going to a hot yoga studio mm-hmm. and the difference of like, when I go into, and I'm not trying to like talk down about gyms at all. I love lifting. I love the gym, yeah. but, but being willing to ask yourself what's feeling most helpful for you. Like when I go to hot yoga and when I'm there and like connecting with people, mm-hmm. like it just feels different and I have different interactions. And so also being willing to ask like what type of environment feels the most helpful for me. Or even like, there's a lot of days where I won't do something more intensive and I'll go and walk out in the middle of nature because Mm -hmm. that feels more restorative. Right. So even looking at the environmental piece of like, are people smiling at me? How does, how do I feel when I'm here? Does this feel empowering and exciting? You know, asking those questions too. Totally. And that's one thing I've heard a lot from the women that are in my membership is like, because of COVID, so many people shifted their workout toward home. And I have a lot of moms in the membership and they're like, it's so much better than driving to the gym, putting my kids in childcare, like having to coordinate with my spouse or whoever to do this. Like they would say, like, I almost used to like resent working out or it was just such a hassle. And now being able to do it at home, it's just so much easier. My kids can be there and yeah, they run around and it's chaos, but like I'm getting what I need while they're still being cared for. So I think there's so many different ways to exercise now that there weren't before, like gyms were how you worked out, you know, and now it's like, you can do stuff from home. There's so many different types of gyms or types of like, um, studios that you can go to, uh, which I love because I like to mix it up. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I like to be in the gym. I go for a walk. I do my practice by myself. I teach a class. Like I like a mixture of all of it. hundred percent. And I love what you said too, about that yoga has really helped you lean in and really learn how to enjoy slowness and slowing down. Right. And I think what you said about it allows you then not only is that helpful in yoga, but then also when you're out in the world Mm -hmm. and like, want to be really present with people or really present in situations that practicing that in yoga has been really, really helpful for you. That's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest areas that I've seen it is as an entrepreneur and a business owner, there's always this mentality of like, do more, you know, hustle, like all of this sort of like negativity around, just like work yourself to death to make your business successful. And I, like when I started, that was a hundred percent me. Like I said, that's a little bit more. My natural tendency is like, go, go, go. Like hustle, hustle. Like I was that kid in high school who was like, have to do everything straight A's president of this, like captain of this, like just like all out. So above and beyond so unnecessary. And so that was like a big mental shift for me, kind of like with how yoga was like, I can do this because it feels good. Even if it's not this like all out workout where I'm like sweating and gasping for air, like it, it still has value. And so when I approach my work from that perspective, it's made it so much more sustainable, so much more enjoyable of like, it doesn't all have to happen today. And it doesn't all have to happen this year. Like it's okay. If it takes time, if it's really building toward like what I actually want and the things I value and the lifestyle that I value. So that's a big area where I've seen it is just like being okay with slowing down my pace when it comes to work and not feeling the need to like outperform, you know, the person next to me or the people I see on social media or things like that. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful lesson to think about, especially I can imagine that a lot of listeners are in a space where a lot of us 
are very high achieving and, yes. <laughs> you know, some of us struggle with perfectionism. And so yeah. like learning how to shift into that space of like, okay, I don't need to do everything above and beyond. I don't need to be the yes person. And it's so difficult, but learning that is so necessary. Definitely. And I think it's like, for me, a big thing that I teach on and talk about, especially with my coaching clients is like, what is sustainable for you? Because two hour hit workouts in the gym every day, like that's not sustainable for most people, like working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, like that's not sustainable for most people. And so what are you trying to really build? Like, are you trying to just like beat somebody else? Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? What's the goal? And for me, the goal is like a lifestyle that I feel good about where I have energy each day. I have time to do the things that I want to do and not worrying about like doing it perfectly, high achieving, competing, being the yes girl, like setting all of that aside, just understanding like, what is my intention with whatever I'm deciding to do and giving myself permission to act in a way that honors that. Yeah. So good. And I I love all those questions too, that people can kind of practice Tell me more about like, if we, if we have a couple women listening who are like, I'm really struggling with how I feel about my body and just really starting to embrace more of this attitude of like, how can I care for my body? Um, and really what you were talking about, about like using exercise as a form of like caring for yourself, right. And like celebrating your body. What do you think would be a couple, a couple of the first things that you feel like would be important for them to know, or just to kind of start thinking about? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just to start asking yourself the types of questions that we're talking about here, like really start kind of analyzing your behaviors. Because one thing that I see a lot is we think we're making decisions out of a healthy place, but really it's coming from an unhealthy place, whether it's something that someone else told you, or it's coming out of an insecurity or a desire to change your body. Like even how we eat, we can be like, Oh, I'm eating healthy. Like that's something to celebrate. It's like, well, why are you eating healthy? Did someone criticize you for eating unhealthy food? And now that's like a negative kind of thing that you're carrying with you in your decisions. Do you not like your body? You're trying to change it. So you're eating in a way that you think is healthy, but it's actually restrictive. And so just kind of starting to ask yourself, like, why do I do the things that I do? Where is my heart with those different things? Um, Cause I think awareness is always the first step. Like we can't change negative behaviors or thought patterns if we're not aware that they're negative, if we're continuing to be like, no, this is a good decision. Um, so I would say that's the first thing. And then another quote that I really love, um, and that was helpful for me was you don't have to love your body to show love to your body. Mm. Because I think there's like so much conversation around body positivity and body love. And I talked to a lot of women who are like, that's good. But like, I straight up don't love my body. And it's like, okay, I hear you. Like I have been there. So what would you do if you did love your body? Like if you did feel good in your skin, what would you choose to do? Like, would you choose to go to the beach with friends instead of staying home? Like, would you choose to allow yourself to eat something that sounds delicious instead of, you know, like saying that you can't have that or restricting, would you choose to move your body in a way that's different from what you have been doing? So I think just asking yourself, like recognizing where you're not acting the way that you want to, and then being able to start painting that picture, like, okay, if I felt good in my body, if I loved who I am, how would I act? Like, what would I choose to do? Because what I also see and what was really big for me was my body insecurity trickled into every other area of my life. Like I didn't want to get up in front of groups of people and speak because I was insecure about the way that I looked. And I didn't want to meet new people because I was insecure about the way that I looked. And so oftentimes just the way that we feel about our body or about ourselves is like limiting us from other opportunities or experiences that we could have. So if you start making your decisions from a place of like, okay, if I felt good, if I felt confident, what would I do? then you start just putting yourself in those situations. And I think that really does start to build a new, a new type of confidence and you kind of retrain some of those old habits and thought patterns. So of course, if it was like, I was speaking to an individual and knew their story, I'd be like, do this, do this, do this. But I'd say those are the general things like awareness, under painting that picture of like, what would I do if I felt good? And then just making those decisions out of that place. And like, your body, your mind will all catch up. It'll be on the same page eventually. So good. Okay. So if you're listening, pause, rewind, and then write all those down, right? Write all those down like a post-it or journal them or something like that. So you can come back because I feel like those questions are so powerful just to start noticing, right? Like you said, that awareness, painting that picture, like, what would I be doing? How would I be showing up here? And then starting to take like one little baby step at a time, right? So good. So good. 
Okay. Tell me more about, you mentioned that something that feels super important to you as well is this idea of simplicity. So tell me more about like this concept of simplicity and tell me more about, you mentioned like keeping things simple, keeping your Mm -hmm. routine simple. And I think in the world that we live in, there is And I struggle with this. So I'm so excited to talk about this because I have to constantly check myself because I'm a supernatural overcomplicator. So I will let, right. Like, and then I found myself in this place where I didn't even want to do anything in my morning routine because I had like a 20 point morning routine. And so, yes. And so I'm so excited to just chat with you about this because it's so, so important. Like that power of keeping it keeping it simple, keeping your routine simple so that we actually do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So tell me how this came up for you or what's been coming up for you around this idea of simplicity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing just to say off the bat is I feel like simplicity is kind of like what my default setting would have been had I not, like you're saying, like been just surrounded by all this noise and like conflicting information and all these things, because I have always thrived with little, like I, traveled for about six years, like pretty consistently and owned like very minimal belongings. It's like always in new environments. And so I feel like that just kept my routines. It kept my belongings like really simple. I was always just focused on like, okay, I'm here in this country or I'm doing this program. And so I sort of had like forced simplicity for a while, but it always just felt really good to me. Like I I enjoyed that. It didn't feel like I was talking with some friends the other day and I was saying how my husband and I went to Europe for the first time. We, the ticket that we bought, you can only bring 11 pounds of luggage. So we literally for a month in the winter in Europe had like one pair of shoes, like I brought a pair of leggings, a pair of jeans, like a jacket, a sweater, like very minimal. And one of my friends that was there, she was like, I could never. And I was like, oh, really? Like that felt so fun for me. Like I loved that. So it was just kind of that confront, like people feel differently about things. So I say all that to say, this feels good for me. I think this is very natural to who I am, but take what I share and adapt it to your own life. Because I think where a lot of people shy away from like simplicity and minimalism is they're like, but I like to have a lot of books or like, I love clothes. Like I want to have a lot of clothes. And they think the goal is like, you have to get rid of all of that. And that is just so not what I'm trying to say. I don't think that's like what the greater narrative of simplicity and minimalism is. Um, So really the definition that I love is it's, they say that simplicity is the intentional promotion of what we value most. And then just removing anything that distracts us from that. And I think that's like so free to interpretation. Um, And that's like really where I started to find my rhythm with simplicity and get like really excited about how I could adapt that into my own life. And the first area that I started to do it was in my business, because at the end of like fall, winter of 20, trying to think 2020 was when I really started like kind of getting into this more on a greater scale. Like, again, I'd already been kind of like minimal with my belongings, but was like, what does this mean as a lifestyle? And in my business, I was doing so many different things. So I was just trying it all. I was like, do I like this? Do I like this? Do I want to do this? Like trying all these different things, which was great. But I really felt like as I was introduced to this topic and praying around it, the Lord just being like, just really focus in on like what you feel super called to right now. And like, don't be afraid to say no to these other things. Cause that's, I think where a lot of like the fear of simplifying comes from is like, what am I going to miss out on? So I just like went all in with three elements of my business with coaching, my membership and the retreats and was like, okay, I'm just not going to do anything outside of those. And immediately I felt such a clarity in my approach to my work. I felt such a peace in my spirit because I just like knew what I needed to do each day. I wasn't afraid to say no. I was like, still a little afraid, but I was like, I've made this commitment to like say no to these other things and just lean into this. And I really saw that just like have such a massive impact in my business, but also in like my spirit and how I felt around my work. And so I was like, okay, what would this look like in other areas? You know, just really focusing on like what matters the most, what feels good and not being afraid to say no to other things that could be good, but aren't the best. Um, That's something I talk about a lot with people that I coach. I coach a lot of entrepreneurs. And so I'm always like, there will always be more opportunities or more things available to you than you can effectively pursue and handle with excellence. So like, we have to start learning to say not yes to everything, like, but only yes to the best things. And I think that's something I've started doing in my life. Like even in relationships, not being afraid to not really invest in relationships or like people that I don't know very well or relationships where it's like, neither of us are really able to show up fully for each other. So like, it's okay to just sort of like, 
let this set to the side. And again, for some people, relationships might be like top, like, no, I need to maintain a relationship with like everybody I know, like I want to have that touch point. If that feels important for you, like you do you. I'm very introverted. I like a really small circle of friends. I've always been that way. And so I feel better when I'm like really clear and like, these are the relationships that I'm heavily invested in that I'm going to show up for. And it's okay if I can't do that with like 30 people that I don't really know that well, but feel pressure to maintain a relationship with. So I think that's a very human thing, especially through social media. Now we have all these like really shallow relationships, which in a lot of ways is beautiful, but can also be very draining. So that's really like what simplicity has looked like for me. Again, it morphed from this very like physical thing of like my belongings and not owning a lot of things into my work. And now I feel really just guides a lot of the decisions that I make again, as far as like, how do I want to spend my time? What are the things that I'm going to be committed to? What is the, what are the projects with work I'm going to take on the relationships I'm going to invest in all of that. So that's the approach that I've been taking. So powerful. And I think it, it reminds me a lot of a lot of what I talk about, which is really grounded in your values, mm-hmm. really grounded in like, we need to know what matters, right? Like what actually matters to you? Because that needs to be driving every other choice. And I just love this idea of, and I think there's just so much truth here in this concept of like simplifying and being willing to narrow your focus of where you're spending your energy and your time so that you can do that more effectively. And it's like in our culture, there's so many options, so Mm -hmm. many possibilities. And I remember hearing a quote that felt so helpful. It was something along the lines of like, you can't just, just this idea of like not being able to do everything. Like you genuinely just accepting that fact that you Mm -hmm. cannot do everything and you cannot be everything. However, if you, right, like there, there is a very intentional purpose though that you're here for. And so if you hone in on that, Versus trying to do everything and be everything. And I love how you said, you said too, that doing that really, you know, clarifying and focusing and simplifying allowed you to effectively Mm -hmm. pursue the things that really mattered. Right. Because it's like, we could try to do all the things and maybe make like 3% progress in all of these different areas versus like you said that when you really simplified you said that you felt, it it sounds like you felt more free Mm -hmm. and more clear-minded, right. About what to actually do. And I think, like you said, there's this fear of if I'm saying no to things, I'm going to miss out, Mm -hmm. but really it's like saying yes to everything. I think is more detrimental, right. Because it's like that, that feels more dangerous of like saying yes to everything and then not actually making progress on the things that matter to you. It's like, mm-hmm. say you have a goal to, you know, create a more, you know, consistent movement practice or something mm-hmm. like that. If you're saying yes to all of these other things, right? Like if you're saying Where's yes, <laughs> right? Yes. Like all these other commitments or all of these other things. Um, and so I, I love that so much. So it sounds like really focusing on what are my priorities here? What really Mm -hmm. matters? And then allowing that to be enough and being willing to say no to these other things. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, what that will look like is a less full schedule, which I think that to hear that you'd be like, Oh my gosh, more free time. That sounds amazing. But what I've seen is that people freak out when they have free time and are like, what do I do? Like I have to fill it with things. And that's where it circles back to like that practice of being okay with a slower pace of life, with moments of like openness and silence. to so just like, like I consistently just go sit out on my back porch and just like, look at the backyard of my dog. And like, just do that. I never would have done that before. I would have been on my phone. I would have been journaling. I would have been thinking about something. I'm like, Oh, it's sunny. I'm just going to go sit. But that took like years to cultivate being able to do that. And so I think for people who are like, Oh, free time sounds nice. When you get that free time, like embrace it, use it well, don't just fill it with another commitment or don't just fill it with other things, like create an intentional schedule and make sure that part of that is space to like rest and breathe and enjoy the space you've created and to recharge. So when it's time to fill up or to pour into these things that you um, have committed to doing, you're able to do that because you're restored and full and ready. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. Yeah. I think there's definitely challenges around. And I've even found myself here sometimes where it's like, okay, I have downtime and I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. Right. And I heard someone say at one point, something of like, like people don't even know what boredom is anymore. Right. And this idea of like 
needing to allow yourself to feel bored sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Or I love what you said about just walking outside and enjoying the sunshine for a couple minutes and creating yeah. that that space to just kind of be. Yeah. Again, I think so much of that has been lost mostly by phones because it's like, we just have this entertainment device that's always close to us. And like, I struggle with being on my phone just as much as the next person. Like I'm not saying, oh, I figured it out and I never touch my cell phone except when I have to. But I do think that that's been like a big disruption. And so just trying to be intentional about creating habits around like, even just for me, like the proximity to my phone is a thing of like keeping it in separate rooms when I can or when I know I need to focus. So it's just not there. And then it's not like you're easily filling that time. You're actually aware like, oh, I have a second because where's my phone? And then you're like, wait a second. This is that free time we were talking about. I can pause and I can enjoy this. Yes. Tell me like if we, if we had someone who's like, yeah, I have a really hard time saying no Mm -hmm. to these things, right? Like, like how can I start practicing that? Or like, how do I know kind of what to say no to? What would your, what would your thoughts be on that? Yeah. Kind of same thing as before. I think first you have to get really clear about what do you want to say yes to so that when the opportunities come up, you can ask yourself, like, is this going to get in the way of my yeses? Like the things that feel really important, non-negotiable, is this going to cause me to compromise on some of that? Because I think that this is just so specific to everybody. Like I was coaching a girl last year. She was single. She was like living in a town that she wanted to move out of. And like, work was just like her thing. Like that was her most important thing right then, because she was like, I need to get to this place so I can do this. So I can move. If I'm talking to a mom who has three kids, who's not working, but maybe is interested in starting to work again. It's like, well, you're going to give a completely different amount of time toward that than this girl is. And so understand like, what are your yeses? What's the amount of time that they need from you? Because then when something comes up, you realize like, I'm not actually saying yes to this opportunity. I'm saying no to the thing I previously identified wanting to say yes to. And so it's like, either way you're saying no. So you might as well say no to the thing you don't actually value as much as this other thing. So I think when you can view it that way, rather than like, you're saying no to this person or this opportunity, but you're actually choosing to honor what is important to you. It becomes a lot easier because again, you're like, well, I'm saying no to something. So I might as well say no to the right thing. Um, And then I think, of course, there are a lot of ways to say that just like graciously. And I think that when it comes to individuals, people are more understanding than we give them credit for. I think a lot of us are afraid to hurt people's feelings, to let people down, but I can't tell you the amount of times I've asked people for something and they've been like, Hey, I don't have the space for that. And I'm like, thank you for being honest with me. Like, thank you for telling me that, you know, that's something that I need to work on in my own life is like not being afraid to say no, like let people down and to handle that directly. And like with, you know, just integrity in that conversation. And so I think don't be afraid to do it, honor what you need, say it kindly. Um, and then just keep moving on. People Amazing. don't care as much as we think they do. Amazing. Okay. And then the last question that I for sure wanted to ask you was if we have people who see all of these amazing routines and practices that they should be doing. Right. And now we have this like 20 step morning routine, 20 step nighttime routine that we just always feel like we're forever failing at. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Tell me like, how would you use simplicity? Like what, what insight do you have around that? If we're talking about like keeping routines simple so we can actually follow through on them or what's what routines are really feeling important. Yeah. Kind of two things on that. So I would say the number one reason that I feel like people and that I've seen like in my own life again and in the people I work with, the number one reason people stop being consistent with their routines is because they don't trust themselves to be committed to the things that they want to be committed to. So whether your morning routine is like two steps or it's 50, if you don't feel confident that you're going to do the things you've committed, then it's going to be really hard for you to stick with it. So what I always encourage people to do, and this is something I did in my own life, I'm like, pick one thing. And just be so intensely committed to it because when you are successful in that, it's going to totally bolster your confidence. So for me, and this is much more dramatic, usually tell, I tell people like, say for the next, you know, three weeks, you're just going to journal for five minutes every day. But a couple of years ago, I made a commitment to run a thousand miles in a year. So that's like three miles a day, which I am not a runner. It was not a weight loss thing. I didn't do a race. I didn't time myself, any of that. I just wanted to set a goal where I would have to be disciplined pretty much every single day for an entire year, just to like test my discipline. But now it builds a confidence in me that I'm like, I will do the things I say I want to do because nothing on the face of the earth is harder for me than waking up and going outside when it is cold outside. I hate the cold. I'm like, don't do that to me. So it's like, if I can do that, I can do these other things. And so now when I think about the stuff I've done in my business, it's like, it came from that confidence in myself to do these things. And so I would say 
you know, find a way to build up that confidence, pick one thing to start with and just be really committed to it. And then same kind of the same step. If you have like a massive routine and you feel like you're failing it, like just pick one thing, do it until it becomes really habitual, really easy. And then add the next thing and just go slowly because it's so much better to build up to like five habits that you do every morning, but it takes you a year than it is to like do 20 and then quit and then 20 and then quit and then five and then quit. Like if you want to do it, just go slow, give yourself time to really um, like let that sink in for you. Even, I mean, again, I, I need a lot of time for things to sink in for me. So in 2020, my commitment was to journal every day. That was it. I didn't have any other new year's resolutions, any other goals. And now like over the past, you know, two and a half years, I've probably missed 15 days of journaling, but I don't even think about it. I just do it. And so when you just pick one thing and you're really committed to it, it's so much easier. It actually becomes a part of your lifestyle. It's something that you want to do. And then when you have time for it, you just kind of add the next thing until you find a rhythm that feels really good for you. So, so good. Yeah. I love, I love what you said about just building it into, it's like it, it builds into part of you, right? It's yeah. just something that feels natural to you and you feel really? excited about, and then it takes less effort if yep. effort at all to do it. Right. Yep. And I love that permission slip too, of just start slow, just focus on yeah. one thing. And I think you're a thousand percent right in that idea of like, so many of us don't have that trust and confidence. Mm-mm. And when we say we're going to do something that we're actually going to follow through, right. Yeah. Of like, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to say that I'm going to do this, but I'm not consistent. I don't follow through on things. And so, like you said, focusing on one thing, one small practice and just mm-hmm. allowing yourself to succeed at that. So it's like, you're, you're building up that self-trust and that integrity with yourself because yeah often we, we break that with ourselves, right? We will break that with ourselves before we break our promise to anyone else. And if we've done that for years and years and years, building up that self-trust is so important. So I Mm -hmm. love that taking one small practice, focus on that. And you're rebuilding that trust with yourself that you're going to show up. If there's like any one thing that I would encourage people to do who are wanting to like start a business, to be healthier, any of that, just learn to trust yourself because once you have that confidence, like truly you do feel unstoppable because you're like, if it is within my power to do it, I am going to do it. And you just find a way to get things done that you might not do otherwise, but it's motivated from such a healthy place. Like you're not trying to prove anything to anyone. Like you're just choosing to be really committed to what you've decided you value and you trust that you're going to do that. And I think if people could do that, like in any sphere of life and anything that you're trying to accomplish, if it's in your relationships, like your work, your health, whatever it is, if you know that you will show up for yourself, do the things that you're committed to doing, like the world will open up for you. I believe that so strongly. Amazing. Amazing. What a beautiful note to end on. You okay. go. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and sharing so much wisdom with us today, Danica. Of course. Thank you so much. It was fun to get to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode spoke to you and encouraged you. Also, I have an online community that is just for you. Head to freeandwellcommunity.com and make sure that you enter your email address so that you can get weekly journal prompts from me and be the first to hear about new episodes. All right, my friend, I will see you at our next coaching coffee date. Have a beautiful rest of your day.
Hey, sweet friend, welcome to this episode. I am so excited to have Lauren on the podcast today. So Lauren White is a mom, former teacher turned business owner and professional home organizer. So in today's episode, we are going to be really exploring how to really identify what's going on in your home space that maybe could use a little bit of love, that maybe could use some shifting and some adjusting. So if you're in a space where you're like, okay, I feel like I really need to get better about keeping my space clean or organized, this episode is so, so, so for you. You're gonna leave with super practical tools and tips that you can really start trying out today related to keeping your space clean, keeping your space organized. Um, and again, you know I'm all about the simple tools. So a lot of the tools that she shares are really doable. And I, I'm just so, so excited because the space that we live in, the space that we spend our time in, is so impactful on our well-being in general, especially our mental well-being, right? Like if my space is messy or cluttery, I can't. Literally, I just, I just cannot. I cannot. I can't focus. I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. And so this is something that has felt so important to me, and I've been on my own journey related to this, and Lauren just has so much wisdom to share. So I hope you enjoy this episode. 